Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on May Day, the Handmaid's Tale podcast uh, for our latest interview. We today have Kelsey Herks, who is contributing his story to the Mine uh, Kickstarter project. Today's interview is brought to you by our podcast partners for the month. Uh, our business partner of the month is called Fanmail. They are a bi-monthly subscription box owned by two awesome women, uh, Rose and Jenny, and they are a Lady Geek subscription box uh, made by geeks, made for geeks. Uh, if you have a, anybody that is interested in uh, things that are geared towards Lady Geeks, you, this is the box for you. They have all kinds of awesome stuff. It comes bi-monthly. Right now, they are taking... Uh, subscriptions for their October box which is called Witch Please uh, you can get more information about them at myfanmail.com that's myfanmail.com you can also get 10% off your first box with fanmail if you use the coupon code MAYDAY just go to their website, order it up in the coupon code, put MAYDAY and you will get 10% off of your first order with them uh, we also have a discussion group going with them uh rose will be listening to the podcast and watching for the first time the handmaid's tale and she is uh taking questions and having a little discussion group we have a link to that on our facebook page if you go find us at handmaid's podcast that's at handmaid podcast on facebook uh our other podcast partner for the month is mine this is a kickstarter project that kelsey herx is contributing to uh, they are trying to raise money to put out a comics anthology with some great people. Uh, Neil Gaiman, Gerard Way, just all kinds of big comic book names that will benefit Planned Parenthood. So they got four more days to meet their goal of $50,000. So head on over to Kickstarter. We should have a link anywhere you can find it on uh, our social media. So head out to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and we should have information on how to contribute to them. Uh, our last podcast partner for the month is Nina Diaz, a fantastic uh, amazing singer, songwriter, uh, lead singer of the band Girl in a Coma. And she's out um, right now promoting her solo album, The Beat is Dead. Uh, Nina is amazing, big voice, awesome talent. You would love her. Just check her out. We have all kinds of stuff promoted about her. Um, so stick around for uh, more information on her and all of our podcast partners as we bring you some content from them. So without further ado, uh, here is Kelsey Herks, contributor to The Mine Kickstarter project. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everybody. This is Justin with Mayday, the Handmaid's Tale podcast. Today, we are going to be talking to Kelsey Herks. She is uh, involved with a project that we just announced our involvement with um, a little bit over a week ago. Uh, this month, we've announced that we are doing podcast partners. So, in lieu of doing paid advertisements and sponsors, what we are doing is partnering with different uh, organizations, people, whatnot that we feel pretty passionately about or that are doing things that we think are perfect for our audience. And one of those things is this project called Mine, which is a Kickstarter project uh, from the website Comic Mix. Uh, it's a Kickstarter project that is going to be releasing a comics anthology that will benefit Planned Parenthood. And they have about eight days left. They're just under $10,000 uh, short of their goal. So they seem to be trucking along and, you know, every day they're gaining a little bit, but we obviously want to help support them and help them reach their goals so they can get this project out here. So like I said, right now we have Kelsey Herks here on the line. Kelsey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's nice to meet you. Good to meet you too. All right. So before we get into our little icebreaker game, um, I want you to let us know how you came to be involved with this project, the Mind Project. Well, uh, Joe and I have been friends for a little while. Uh, we were actually friends before I started writing for comics. 
um, and he approached me to be a part of this like a year ago when he, it was just like a, a twinkle in his eye, just an idea. And um, he got more and more people on board and it just got more and more exciting and bigger and bigger. And uh, I guess I'm really happy that he asked me early on because I feel like I'm kind of out of my league here. <laughs> and so for those that let's fill in a hole here, for those that don't know, uh, Joe is one of the uh, columnists for comic mix, who is part of the brainchild behind this mind project. Uh, so, okay. So you, you feel a little out of your league. I don't know about that. Uh, cause I, in researching you, you seem to be a, uh, woman of all things here, especially artistic things. Yeah. Uh, I, so I try. You try, you, you <laughs> succeeded. Um, and we'll get to more of that in just a second. So what I wanted to do is play a little icebreaker game, which we started doing recently with our, uh, interviewees. And so here is the premise. You have been dropped into a world that is only inhabited by fictional characters, be it from television, books, movies, what have you. Okay. Uh, and there's three things I need you to answer for me. Okay. I need you to tell me who is going to be your best friend. Okay. Who is going to be the person that you seek out for a romantic relationship. And then who becomes your arch enemy automatically. Ooh, okay. Um, so... my best friend maybe um mina harker from from dracula oh okay explain that one to us for well, those that aren't in the know about the dracula she's super smart <laughs> and i feel like i don't know I, I don't know with these sorts of icebreaker things i feel like uh you say like dropped into a world i i imagine some sort of crisis <laughs> And so I feel like I would really want Mina Harker on my side. <laughs> no, I will say, because my co-host last time when we did this, she, she like me, likes to you know, question everything and exactly what is going on. I will say that there, when you dropped into this world, there is no known crises. You do not need a special skill specifically. So you do not need to seek any one specific person out. I should have said that before. Oh, okay. So okay. this is just a, a world as it is. Um, no current crises that you are directly involved with. Oh, that, that kind of changes my answers then. Okay, so go for it. <laughs> Um, a lot of my, well, it's tough to also because like a lot of the people that I want to know from books, I feel like are real people. Okay. Like I, I just finished, like I just finished my play. And so I've got Jane Austen on the brain. Sure. And I super want to hang out with her. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to know what her deal was. I want to meet her. I wanna, oh man, I'd love to meet Shakespeare. But, right. but these are historical figures. Right, right. Real, yes. real answers. Okay. Um... I think my, I am going to stick with Mina Harker for my buddy. Okay. Um, I think I'll try to marry. Well, it's not necessarily marry. Now oh, I'm going to oh. preface this. This I'm not marrying you. I'm You're merely putting you, you in a romantic <laughs> relationship. If you, we're shipping you more than we are marrying you off. Just so you know. Okay. 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 Um, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to try and seek out um Rosalind from as you like it all right now explain that one to us um she's very smart also i like smart people what can i say <laughs> she's really smart and um i think she has a similar idea about love that i do where she gets really carried away but also tries to be logical about it mm. And I do the exact same thing. So I think if we dated, it would, it would, um, we would both be like very logical and very romantic. So a romantic pragmatist? 
Yes, exactly. Excellent. Excellent. That's and, that can be a little messy sometimes, I would imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it can. All right. And for your arch enemy, do you have an arch enemy? Arch enemy. I try really, really hard to not make enemies. Sure. Um, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. <laughs> Who would I not get along with? I'll give so you a little I'll give you a little primer. And this one to me was a little little uh not a cop out, but a little easy because he's easy to go to. So our last person that we interviewed, um, she went with Voldemort. Yeah, that's uh, like that seems pretty legit. Right. <laughs> And I, I think that he's a great choice. And I think a lot of people will go to him just because there's so little information given about why he is evil um, other than, you know, a little bit of a messed up childhood that he's so purely evil that he's easy to just make your arch enemy because there's no redeeming quality about him. Right. Because I think yeah. a lot of people, especially writers and readers, if you find any like semblance of humanity in a person, you, you don't want to be their enemy. You want to try and fix them. And yeah. so <laughs> and also, I feel like a lot of times uh, I've identified with villains and like appreciated villains a lot. Sure, sure. So like, like Magneto would not be my villain. <laughs> like, right. And, and Magneto, Magneto was one that uh, my co-host brought up and I was like, well, you know, you have the whole Holocaust backstory. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say I would support him. Right. 100%, but maybe like a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe um, Moriarty. Oh, there we go. That's I don't know. I don't know if I would be a very good nemesis to him. He'd probably like outsmart me every step of the way, but I would really uh I would feel honored to have such a clever nemesis. <laughs> so you would seek him out for more for the prestige of having him as your arch nemesis. Precisely. And <laughs> maybe maybe Rosalind and I can bond over uh trying to take him down. Maybe between the two of us we can manage it. I'm sure Nina Harker can uh, help you out with all that, correct? Oh, totally. Oh, my God. Dream team. See? See? Absolutely. Well, thank you for playing that. Um, that see, I love that because it gives me so much insight into our guests. I, I love doing that. So let's talk about your part in this mind project. So what are you going to be doing? Now, the, the information that they gave me was that mm -hmm. you are writing a story that is based yeah. on sex workers from, I believe, the 1800s until now and the different ways that they were treated then versus how they are treated now. Am I correct in that summary? Absolutely, yes. The story as it's written is very matter of fact. It's called, it's called Eleanor and Eleanor. And um, it's just a very plain telling of a day in the life of a sex worker. And I didn't want to glamorize anything or um, make it seem super gritty or anything. It's just kind of like a normal, two normal people doing their jobs that maybe other people don't know very much about. Back then, it was more of a legitimate career choice, I guess, was for lack of a better term, or a legitimate like job that women had. And oh, that totally. it was it was more mainstream than obviously it's become now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's always it's always been and probably always will be um, something that's kind of underground. I think until humans get better at talking about sex. <laughs> so I I think that 
it'll always kind of be underground. But back then, certainly, it was not unheard of for a lady to uh, go into that line of work and save up for like a couple of years and then buy a business. I mean, she might have a hard time getting married after that, but what was marriage back then, but agreeing to become someone's property. Right. And that, because the woman, women had very little, you know, rights in the way of, you know, money and property. Mm -hmm. And so marrying into a family or into a, uh, with someone who had money was kind of the goal, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I I mean I can't even imagine the the desperation to because there there are a little earlier than what when the comic is written, but like for the most part, if you were from a good family, you didn't leave your family until you got married. Like marriage was the only way out of your family's house. And so uh, dovetailing into this because you were saying. Um, that you just did this play and so the play yeah. for those that don't know go ahead and tell us about it because it's basically a, a little different spin on the pride and prejudice story so go ahead and uh, tell us that because that will give us a little window into what you know about this yeah um so i i just finished i self-produced and starred in a play that i wrote about mary bennett the middle sister from pride and prejudice in which she is waiting for a gentleman that she knows is going to propose and she kind of reflects on her life and her history and she realizes that she is a lesbian uh and of course in those days even if you knew what you were there was no vocabulary with which to describe yourself so she kind of has this realization about herself and then he comes in and and is presumably going to propose and that's what the whole play is interesting and how how did that idea come to you what was your your what led you to decide this is what i need to create um i was in a production of pride and prejudice when i was 17 and i played mary and in reading the play i was like oh this is someone who's like super anxious and uh she has a lot of social problems and she has a hard time fitting in with people i, I like i wonder like i bet she's really interesting in the book and then i read the book and jane austen was just so so unsympathetic to her <laughs> like like man this girl sucks at parties like <laughs> now for those people who have only probably seen the movie or the miniseries version explain which daughter sister mary uh, is in the uh, show yeah she, oh, so she's the one that usually is portrayed wearing glasses and she plays piano um in the movies she always plays really badly but in the books it says she's actually quite in the book it says she's actually quite skillful and she reads all the time and she quotes sermons and she doesn't seem to have an original idea anywhere <laughs> would you think that that is her trying to make a statement about a certain type of woman that existed back then and just putting all those characteristics into mary yeah i i think it might have been um jane austen was a really great observer of humanity so all of her characters i think feel really familiar even now they they feel like people that you've met before so surely she met this person or people like her and maybe didn't realize why they were the way they were, why they seemed to be afraid of making their own ideas or making their own statements. So it just kind of connected some of the dots for me, some of the things that didn't make sense in deciding that she was probably a lesbian. Interesting. And so how was the idea about the play received and how did it go? Because I know it was just last week, correct? 
yeah, it was just last week. Um, so it was received really well, actually. Um, some of the Jane Austen Society of New York came and saw it. Some of the ladies came and they really enjoyed it. And um, I was really, really moved to to hear from them and to, to speak to them afterwards because those were ladies who really knew their stuff and I was kind of nervous about <laughs> them. So those are like the Austin experts, right? The oh, yeah, Austin yeah. Society. <laughs> the people in the society. That's crazy. Yeah. That must be intimidating when you know that they're, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. you know they're going to be there in advance. I didn't. My brother told me right before I went on. And I was like, oh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel like that's something you would be like, hey, guess who was here all night instead of, hey, guess who's out there. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And what yeah. was the name of the play? It was called Threadbare Morality, The Queer Musings of Miss Mary Bennett. Very nice. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about the Mind Project. And with the Pride and Prejudice, I think if people don't know, um, there's this family and there are four daughters, correct? Um, five, actually. Five? Who am I missing? Everyone always misses Kitty. Um, Kitty and Lydia are always joined at the hip. So. Oh, yes, you are correct. Yeah. I apologize to all my Jane Austen <laughs> fans out there. Um, so they're trying to marry, especially, especially Mrs. Bennett, is trying desperately to marry all her daughters off. Mm -hmm. um, so this is where I think this kind of dovetails into your women just needing to marry themselves to improve their state. To be honest, this my interest in this was kind of sparked by um, the new Harlots show that came oh, out recently. Yes. Harlots and, on Hulu, just like Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, it's really good. That's what I heard. <laughs> It's like a it's like a political thriller, but the it's like ri rival brothel houses instead. They used to have these laws where if a girl was in a house, then she would be, uh, I guess, inspected by a doctor every every few months or so, or like once a year, just to to make sure that they were all above board. But of course, back then they like they didn't really have very sophisticated testing techniques. So it would just be like, yeah, you look all right. <laughs> There'll be an inspection, um, like a, a, a rather probing inspection with all the other women in the room, like everyone else that worked there would right. be in the room. Um, and so does that, is the health element of it what attracted you to this mind project, supporting the Planned Parenthood, which is obviously very important to oh, healthcare access for the women. So talk about that. But what, what attracted you beyond you having the contact with Comics Mix it, with Joe uh, to the, the social aspect of this, obviously benefiting Planned Parenthood? Yeah, well, defunding Planned Parenthood is a terrifying prospect. And there's so much so many there are so many buzzwords and so many so much fear mongering surrounding it and it's really really infuriating because people just won't listen to reason about how basic and fundamental women's health is and not just women's health and um, Anyone, anyone with a uterus needs to be taken care of. There's so many lies and so much fear surrounding it. And what do you think the number one misconception would be for those people that just don't get what Planned Parenthood does? Oh, it's the abortion thing. It's absolutely the abortion thing. Like they, they think that they think that like 
Planned Parenthood is doing an abortion a minute. <laughs> it's simply not true. There, there are statistics that I don't have at my fingertips at the moment, but compared to all the other services that they do, um, all the different, all the testing, all the, the, all the other forms of family planning, uh, all the education, that one thing somehow dwarfs in the public consciousness every other essential piece of health, um, health coverage that Planned Parenthood takes care of. Planned Parenthood takes care of people. It does, it's not this like nasty, dirty, secret back alley, like seedy place that that the world has turned it into. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. Uh, it absolutely is. Um, I think it's, it, and all the other part is for conservatives who are the vast majority of the people that are trying to get rid of this. Uh, right now they control the message, unfortunately, for a mm -hmm. lot of people. Um, and if you look around the country, one of the things that I've found are really interesting that I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around is you look at a show like The Handmaid's Tale or you look at the landscape of uh, pop culture and art right now. And in my opinion, it's more diverse and inclusive than it's ever been. And yeah. there's more outlets for voices of, you know, people of color and LB, uh, LGBTQ community um, to get ideas heard that would have never been heard of even probably five to 10 years ago. But you look around the real life political what is happening to actual human beings landscape and it is like the polar opposite and it yeah. just amazes me and it, it's one of those things i, I want to ask people just to get their perspective on it because it kind of blows my mind there's always pushback right like whenever there's a step forward it scares the people that are already in power because they see granting other people equality and granting other people rights as taking rights away from them which is um uh, childish thinking but here we are childish is the order of the day yeah it, it's um you know you know the weimar period i do not so um in berlin in the late 20s and 30s uh into the 30s it was like the place to go if you were a queerdo or a weirdo or an artist or anything like that like you wanted to be in Berlin in 1930-something because it was just the best place to go. There were, there were all these clubs that catered to people of different gender expressions and sexualities. There was all this research going on about um, transgender people. Um, there were some of the first um, uh, gender-affirming surgeries happening. Like, it was, it was, like, super, super progressive. Now, of course, we know what happened, like, right after that it's scary because like we we might feel inclined to feel um safe like the this uh backlash is just a flash in the pan and that we'll get back to the regularly scheduled progress as soon as this is done but i personally am not ready to write it off that quickly i think we need to um, fight back. And I think that this anthology is a way of uh, kind of loudly saying how we want to fight back. Absolutely. And, you know, 
I, I not knowing what that period was called in Berlin, I will say that uh, for another podcast, um, I was watching uh, Cabaret, which oh, yeah. completely is speaks right to that that's what the storyline is basically based on is you know 1930s berlin when the uh, nazis nazi party is just starting to really just be a more of a propaganda machine yep. in berlin and kind of their early stages and like kind of their how they infiltrated and kind of took over the you know thoughts and minds of all these people in berlin and started turning people to their uh, mindset so yeah I, I was not aware of the name of that but i was aware of how that all went down yep, yep. Um, <laughs> just watched that recently and it was just a crazy crazy movie not not even remotely what i thought that movie was going to be about oh because <laughs> i you know i i didn't know anything beyond liza minnelli and uh yeah that's it and some, uh, and sexy dancing and some good right, music <laughs> right exactly and so it was like one of those things i was not expecting it to be so dark and like one of those movies that oh. like i watched it and i go okay that was really great let's never watch that again yeah yeah absolutely cabaret is a show that you have to like get a stiff drink after watching absolutely yeah so cabaret a little uh more intense than i was uh expecting Uh, so tell me your reflections on researching that versus today and just the difference in not only a woman having to marry to improve her status and make sure she was taken care of but also being that as a sex worker, that was kind of the one thing I would say, maybe one of the one, maybe few things that a woman could actually control um, mm-hmm. is her body and how she used it. And yeah. maybe that was one of the few outlets that uh, they saw, for lack of a better term, to yeah. make some money and kind of get on there, be on their own, which is such a interesting concept to wrap your head around um not being able to have any other career choices other than i'm sure the options beyond that were very limited Um, yeah and they were they were limited and also incredibly grueling so like i i purposely chose to make it a little bit later because um you're starting to get factories at that time and so you could go and be a respectable girl in a factory but then you'd be working, what, 12 hours and maybe lose your finger. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. But, you know, some people would say, okay, losing your finger versus any number of things that could happen to you as a sex worker. I mean, fair, <laughs> fair. But the point is that all jobs are dangerous. Lots of jobs are dangerous. There are all sorts of jobs that are super dangerous that don't have the same stigma attached. So back then, was there that much stigma attached to this profession? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, it was they—they they weren't called fallen women for nothing. Ah, let's see, I did not know that. So th- that was yeah. the term referred to them as. Mm-hmm. It—it was—it was probably not how they referred to themselves, but I would hope but not. It, it was definitely seen as like a, and this would happen to girls who um, were maybe well-born as well, okay. quote unquote, quote unquote, well-born. Like if a girl runs off with someone, if it is at all implied or can be implied that a woman had sex with someone to whom she was not married, then she was fallen and her family would totally be within their rights to completely cut her off and not want anything to do with her socially. So falling back to Pride and Prejudice, that would be our Lydia situation, correct? That would be our Lydia situation, yeah. Again, a little earlier than than my story. And I've chosen, my Eleanor has a 
chosen to go into this field because she wants to buy a coffee shop and and be the 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 owner of a coffee shop. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the stigma back then versus now. Kind of similar. Um, obviously, there's many more options these days for mm-hmm. women as far as career choices go. Absolutely. But there's still the stigma attached um, unfairly, I would think, to any woman who chooses to, say, be a stripper or any kind of sex worker, if that is their choice. Now, obviously, it is another situation entirely if someone is you know, trafficking them or forcing them into this profession against their will. So I don't want to oh, like, yeah. equate those things. Yeah, totally. But, but as far as a woman who says, hey, this is what I want to do, because let's, let's be honest, the money Mm-hmm. Part of it is a huge factor. And uh, I have a friend who does another podcast and one of their biggest shows that they ever did was they invited a call girl on and mm-hmm. had her talk about her profession and or an escort, I guess. Okay. And also uh, does a podcast with a woman who is a uh, stripper. And had, they both were very kind of upfront about why they were doing it and how they were doing it. And yeah. talk to me about that element of it because I think a lot of people just couldn't wrap their head around that wanting to be their choice. And I, well, I think, um, if you look at it logically, it's, it's not like a terrible thing to do, you know, if you, if you just look at the facts. Um, but I think there's a lot of concern trolling going on Mm. with people like, um, there, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, but it's so dangerous or, or like, oh, but like, aren't you worried about catching something? The, it seems like, oh, well, the people who say that are not actually concerned about that. They just don't want to think about a woman having sex, like for a reason that is quantifiable. If that makes sense. Quantifiable. I like that. (laughs) yeah (laughs) well done well put i i saw i saw this post on tumblr that was like um people have sex for all kinds of reasons like maybe you have a headache (laughs) and or maybe you uh can't sleep (laughs) or something like like there are all sorts of reasons beyond the like rosy uh perfect relationship uh monogamous idea that we have of sex in our society of like idealized sex right right so money changing hands is just another potential reason to have sex once again we are here on mayday the handmaid's tale podcast talking to kelsey herks who is a writer playwright actress uh, anything else you want to throw in there um burlesque performer sometimes oh very cool burlesque performer sometimes uh she is participating <laughs> in writing a story for this project called mine which is to benefit planned parenthood it is currently a kickstarter we will have the links up on our social medias you've probably already seen it we've been promoting the hell out of it they have eight days left in their uh to reach their goal which i believe they're just short of ten thousand dollars so eight days to raise ten thousand just under ten thousand uh should not be impossible they've been going at a pretty good clip here lately uh, Kelsey has written a story uh, that centers around sex workers and their lives uh, back in the 1800s, late 1800s versus today and kind of a, a matter of fact kind of look at how the women that chose those professions are treated. And so we are talking to her and it, all of this really all comes back down to women being able to control their bodies and having access to health care 
And even, you know, choosing to be a sex worker back in 1865 versus choosing to be a sex worker now, as long as it is your choice, this all comes back and dovetails straight back to being able to choose what you do with your body, right? Right. And I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> thank you. Um, and so every time you look around and something, is, the rights of someone are threatened, it is the vast majority of the time going to be either women their access to healthcare and safe legal abortion mm -hmm. or a person of color. And so part of the reason that we are doing this show is to spotlight people doing good things and projects, just like mine is doing right now. And me, as you mentioned, being the straight white guy, um, my rights are currently not threatened at all. So I felt it was very important to get this word out and to spotlight these things because every time I turn around, uh, someone is trying to restrict or take away something that should be, in my opinion, so not any of their business to begin with, um, but so simple, with, uh, such as women's access to healthcare. And so can you tell me, you know, beyond the story, beyond the project, just how you feel as a woman when you see all of these things occurring? uh around not even just in the united states i mean across the globe at this point um with the what i can only term as the assault on women's rights and women's access to health care scared i guess um kind of unlistened to unheard that's the word that's the actual word for that um yeah it it's really surreal actually being like being a kid and being told that you're just as good as any boy that you can do whatever you want someday and then growing up and finding that actually that's not really true <laughs> and that the world is so unfair in ways that should be old should be finished that there are fights that you're still gonna have to fight even though you were told that they're already done it's frustrating i can only imagine again me being the straight white guy now i am obviously married um yeah. and I have a daughter um, and so oh. I have those concerns, obviously, for the and all the women in my life, but obviously those immediate concerns for them. Um, I hope we can make the world better for her. Talk to me about the, the comic books as the medium being used here and what you what you feel about the creativity that comic books offer and why they are one of the things that you have chosen to uh, contribute to. OK, well, my my background is in theater. I, I studied theater performance at conservatory and went into playwriting because I knew I didn't want to say other people's words all my life. Um, and I love theater, but I feel like comics and theater have a lot in common in that they're both very immediate and they both, um, they're both visual, uh, but comics have just by design, they have a much wider reach. Um, so, I feel like in theater and uh, and in comics, you can 
see and meet people that you might never see or meet any other way. See people that have stories that are completely different from you, uh, lives that are completely different from yours, and uh, backgrounds that are completely different from yours. And if you can learn from them and develop empathy for them, then it it kind of makes it it expands your heart and it and it expands your mind. And theater is transient. Theater happens and then it's done and then it lives in your memories, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but a comic, once you have it, you have it and you can go back and revisit it and uh, re meet these characters and reacquaint yourself with their stories. And now the one thing we have not discussed is that you do have a comic writing background we got one under your belt already is that correct yes that's true um i worked on the first two issues of bash back a comic about the queer mafia it's sort of um the godfather but with a family united by a common rage rather than blood yeah uh, i i was on the zero issue and i'm also on the first issue it's been available at various conventions whenever we go to any of them and um, the, but it's all free online to read at bashback.tumblr.com. And the next issue is actually updating now every Monday. Oh, very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get some people checking that out. So Kelsey Herks, thank you for joining us. Once again, the project is called Mine uh, from Comic Mix. It is a comics anthology, uh, which Kelsey is contributing a story to. Now, can we give a plug to your, I assume you have someone doing the art for you? My artist for that is Jesse Jordan. All right. So, Kelsey Herx, thank you for joining us here on Mayday, the Handmaid's Tale podcast. Uh, good Thanks luck so with your... No problem. Uh, but we were really excited to be able to speak some, to someone that was participating in this project. It's awesome. And it's always great to get to know someone who does so many things as you do. I, I love it when people have this passion for the arts and do so many different projects. Art sometimes feels slow, but... I also firmly believe that it is the way to change the world, that art has the potential to change the world, even if it feels slow and ineffective sometimes. All right. So that was Kelsey Herks. Good luck with your plays that are coming up and hopefully your you. Pride and Prejudice take will uh, get some more legs and uh, go on its way. And uh, the festival, I'm very excited for you for that. So congratulations. Uh, and this is Justin Daniels. You were listening to Mayday, the Handmaid's Tale podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Please head over to allconsumingcontent.com for more great podcasts you can check out. Back to the Money Bin, a DuckTales podcast, Player vs. Player podcast, and Blues Hockey podcast. You can also check out our radio station at Handmaid's Resistance Radio that is on Slacker Radio or for free on the Slacker app.